Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force. That's right, Quillians of the Force. No, it's Questions of the Force. We are excited to take your cues, and (laughs) we'll provide some A's. I need to work on the way I say that one as well. Maybe I'll just say answers fully, huh, Ken? We'll get there one day. I I know uh, you and I, uh, sometimes as as broadcasters, when you just say one thing on an episode and it just never leaves your mind, right? It's (laughs) it's catchphrasy. It's the way you kind of gear up for um, the show you're about to record. For the center of the galaxy was something that I literally said, that'll change. And it just hasn't, but it's how I get into force center mode. <laughs> exactly. That. It's like the, uh, the magic words we say to open the, uh, the force center, uh, Pandora's box of yes. Star Wars thoughts. Yes. Uh, anyway, today's, yes, yes. I for- forgot to say I'm Joseph Grimshaw. And of course you're Ken Napsok. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, sipping an energy drink as we talk, cause it's that kind of long fun day talking Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. And we do have some great cues. Uh, but first, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles and counting to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player, data pad from Star Wars. However, you can listen to audio entertainment. Uh, we are continuing to recommend Padawan by Kirsten White, an adventure of young Obi-Wan Kenobi that we are still hoping to get uh, snuck in to our reading schedule before the High Republic is here, which uh, by the time this is released, uh, the High Republic's here. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to listen, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for a free audiobook. Uh, Ken, do you have any audiobook thoughts? Or are you ready for questions? I'm ready for questions. Excellent. We're going to go to Twitter first. We have two questions from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon, as always. Uh, This one comes to us from Blake Harper. Blake says, I'm a huge fan of at E. Rutherford. Uh, Edward Rutherford uh, is his uh, normal life, (laughs) not Twitter (laughs) life name. Uh, But Blake says, I'm a huge fan of Edward Rutherford and would love to see a novel of that ilk in Star Wars. His story format has everything we need, family and generational storytelling, world building, Good versus evil, muddied by nostalgia and characters that you get to experience from birth to death. If you were given the opportunity to tell a story like this, where would you set it? When would you set it? For how long would it last? And how much lore would you explore? Or 
completely ignore? Those are a lot of great questions about this uh, very specific storytelling style of uh, of this author, uh, Edward Rutherford. And Ken, we were we were talking off air. You're not uh, you don't have a, a T-shirt that says I heart E Rutherford, right? You're not a uh, super knowledgeable about this uh, particular author. I, I am not. I am not. I, and I started to look it up here with the link and everything. And kind of first I went like, oh, he's like David McCullough. Then I was like, oh, he's like David McCullough with maybe some narrative put into it, some fiction side to it there. You explain <laughs> a little bit more what it is. Uh, so I'm a fan of David McCullough books because apparently I was 70 when I was uh, 30 when I started reading some of the stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I get it now and uh, excited to uh, discuss it there. Yeah, I'm not a huge expert by any means. I have not uh, read any of the books. Uh, I had intended to read his book, London, for a long time. Uh, I believe there's a copy of it uh, somewhere in in this very home that I'm in. Uh, My wife and I lived together uh, very briefly in London, and this was one of the books that we picked up. And my understanding, uh, as Blake is suggesting, is that uh, these books tell the story of a location and it's you know real history mm-hmm. about the building up of the location but then with a fictionalized generation of people living through the different eras of the uh, city that I think tell those character stories but also kind of give us a uh, try to try to take the history of a city and, and turn it into a narrative through the eyes of the people who are experiencing and mm-hmm. creating that city that's my understanding but like I said not an expert so uh, I could be uh, slightly off base there but for the uh, point of this great question I think that's generally what we're looking at ken so if you were to take that storytelling model and apply it to star wars what kind of uh, things would you want to explore where does your mind go first of all this is something i would love absolutely love to see in star wars this is this is great and you can really focus on some things there i don't know if we're the only ones that might have that interest uh i don't know i don't know i don't know um so i go to look it always sounds like i'm joking it always sounds like i'm joking and maybe it started as a joke but you you got to believe I'd want to go to Bright Tree Village for at least one of the books um, <laughs> and the story of the rise of Chirp and all this stuff. But uh, what Endor was, uh, what that uh, the Ewok, um, you know, community is and, and was and what they went uh, through and, and the Empire showing up. And then um, the aftermath after the fireworks go, go and after the meals are consumed uh, and after the wedding of Han and Leia, which. You know, that was such a beautiful, Beth Rev is taking us through so much of Ewok culture with that wet wedding and the Princess and Scoundrel. I would love to trace it. I'd love to track it. And I guess in book form, you could translate it a little more easier, right? Uh, this this uh, a, a Disney Plus series of just Ewoks, I understand, might not work. Um, might not work. Subtitles and everything. So I'd go there. I'd also go to Tatooine. Mm. I know people don't want to do that. I know a lot of people already move on. Um, but do it and do it through a Tuscan uh, uh, tribe. Uh, mm. a, a Tuscan family, a community, whatever the line, and learning more there. We've, uh, I, I'd be fascinated with that, and, and take it all the way back to when the uh, oceans were rolled over and, and filled up the, the landscape, and, and take it to uh, maybe Boba Fett's era, I, you know, the Book of Boba Fett. I, that'd be something I would be interested in exploring as well. Yeah, those are all great. I, I think because you know you can see all the stories that are in you know the movies and the films as these snapshots, right, and. Mm-hmm you could tell such great surprising stories of how how did 
is Chirpa, you know, a surprise ruler? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is the Chirpa family a legacy uh, ruler? Of was, was Chirpa's, you know, grand Ewok before him? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the founder of Bright yeah. Tree Village? Um, you know, is there, are there all these reasons that their culture became the way it is? All that kind of thing. And then, right. and then, yeah, seeing the experience of what happens when this culture is intersected with the larger galaxy, right? And yeah. they, they are a part of this, incredibly important event and we even know from other books that some Ewoks engage with the galaxy you know therapy Ewoks they aren't just a joke mm. they're a story <laughs> yeah yeah you know so I think those are both uh, great and fascinating examples it's nowhere near the depth but the Kenobi novel uh, John Jackson Miller has some great stuff from the Tuscan perspective that gets a little bit into that generational stuff not as deep as mm. this okay. uh, but that that's great um mm. yeah I think if I wanted if I was gonna play with or learn about in existing world uh or city and canto bite would be very interesting to me because like i'm sure thousands of generations ago it wasn't that but it mm-hmm. became that and how and you know i think the effort of these kind of books is like you know when when people get, try to get to know cities they try to understand like well what what's the essential idea of this city what's the personality and, and why and was it always there or did it change or is there something baked into the founding what happened in the first generation what was this what resource was this city using what cultural things in the world was it responding to and does it retain that you know yeah um so you know did did cantobite always want to be a, a hideaway <laughs> yeah yeah uh, for wealthy people or that that kind of thing that's really fascinating to me in terms of existing places. But if somebody was just like out of the blue, yeah, here, write, write a story like this. Um, I would invent new planets. Um, yeah. Okay. Because I think there's, uh, I think the high Republic is doing a great job of this. Um, I think as the star Wars storytelling expands and there is a hunger for the new, I think it's great to emphasize that. Yeah. We, we love stories that are a galactic scale. Like, you know, the, all of the conflicts we see in the Skywalker saga, but, you know, a system of three planets that are very close to one another with, you know, different cultures, all having a massive conflict. If you lived there, that feels massive enough. Right. And right. we're getting a little bit of that high Republic of long histories between different mm-hmm. planets, times of conflict, times of peace. Uh, so I wouldn't, I would love to do something like that. I would uh, stick a Jedi uh, that uh, is of a species that lives for hundreds of years. Uh, so you have like the Jedi constant walking through you as these generations go through mm. uh, phases of uh, building and collapsing and conflict and redef- redefinition. Uh, mm. And then you have a Jedi to kind of see it all and suffer it all and <laughs> yeah. help with it all, you know? Um yeah. I like that final thing because I really want to hear your thoughts. Like I, there's that that element of that with um, Rail Avros in Master and Apprentice being sort of assigned to this mm-hmm. planet and, and overseeing a time of change and, and kind of becoming of the culture while also knowing like, but I'm supposed to be kind of separate from the culture, but I'm not. How can I be? So yeah. that kind of idea is really interesting to me. Uh, I oh yeah, there's the, the, having the one point of view and, and and being a Jedi is interesting and and just how you know, not, not just their perspective on it, but to, that being the device that gets you through decades, if not centuries of storytelling. Um, that's really fascinating to me. There's something that was kind of explored a little bit in, in Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, um, mm. not to dive too much into a bit of, of just based on lore and, 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 and some of the elves being left in the Southlands to watch 
the descendants of those that fought against them, so to speak. And I'm, I'm really mm. shortening the lore <laughs> down to a couple of sentences on the podcast. And this uh, show only character, Arandir, just kind of having that perspective, seeing it, uh, and even falling for someone in this community. Uh, and they and, and Arandir has been there for you know hundreds of hundreds of years. He's an elf, right? And just to see the changes and to but to know the history, to know where they've come, and then get to know this this society and then know where they can get to if they make the right choices or are willing to make these choices to be better than their descendants right and and that's the big kind of theme of are you are you are you are what you are is that what it is or can you mm. or you, can you grow and change and adapt and it's from his and he's not necessarily part of the culture right but he's there and he's literally there to watch and guard them so to have a different little bit than a jedi i would think but i i think that's that's a that's a great thing you pitch in there uh, we better stop talking about it so you can go actually pitch it. Um, <laughs> the, these questions are, there's a fine line to these questions of like, hey, yeah, if we get an opportunity to pitch this, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, I'm just really, uh, I really like that idea that you've you've pitched of, of, of a brand new uh, part of the galaxy, so to speak, that's going to tie thematically to what we uh, what we know and love and celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's just what's so interesting. I, I haven't got a chance to dive into, uh, the Lord of the Rings, the power of the ring, right? Uh, do it, I get it, get all the Lords of the Rings? Yeah. The power of Grayskull. Yeah. It's a real short title. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Okay. It, it's got a, it's got a nice rhythm to it. Um, yeah. I haven't watched that yet, but I do, I just, I, I just think that's what's fascinating is because, uh, that we can get a little mired in the moment, right? And we can't pull back and see the big picture and, there's so much to know to understand how, how, you know, I, I, I find myself unearthing like, oh, I was just uh, growing up kind of being taught this by culture and then realizing, oh, that was a response to this other thing that happened 60 mm-hmm. years before I was born. You know, that's mm-hmm. the value of these stories of being able to pull back and truly see how one, one uh, era leads to another and is yeah. a response to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That connective thread there. That's exciting. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I just and, and and we've talked often about just Star Wars and Star Wars history books, and this is a, an offshoot of that, perhaps, uh, is fascinating to me. Because I just yeah. love this love this galaxy. Want to spend time in it, want to learn more. Yeah. And I think that leads us uh, to the the kind of last part of Blake's question, which is uh fascinating. Uh how much lore would you explore or completely ignore? Um mm. I, and I think, you know, there has been this uh, big discussion of Star Wars lore, honestly, for a long time. But I feel like kind of early on, there was a there was a concern uh, from some fans uh, early on in the Disney Lucasfilm era that things weren't connected enough. Right. And if you mm-hmm. read the books and the comics, did they feel isolated? Would an animated character ever show up in live action? And then I think we had this era of kind of celebration that it was happening. And now I feel like we're kind of entering an era where there is... Uh, at least uh, some people in the Star Wars fandom who feel frustrated that characters they know from other things are constantly popping up in mm. all sorts of storytelling. So I feel like we've gone on a, a long journey with yeah. lore. Uh, if you were writing a Star Wars project like this, would you want to lean into lore? Would you want to lean away from lore? How would you address that kind of that burning question in Star Wars yeah. storytelling? Yeah, I guess it's uh, if I'm writing about the Ewoks, there'll be some lore, I guess. Um, yeah. No, I, I think there's a balance. I, I think I've understood all sides of it. Um, there's been part of that era of it uh, needs to connect more to lore is, is also is like it's a lot about the sequel trilogy. I'm like, well, it is in its own way. And it also has to do 
the job of getting new things in there. So I, I, I come down sometimes in the middle of it. I love when it's used and I love when it's used um, in a powerful thematic way. Clearly, it's why we love discussing it here. So I, 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 it sounds like I'm, I'm being a, a politician by answering right down the middle. <laughs> where I wouldn't necessarily knew about uh, or, or, or worry too much about bringing in a ton of lore. I'd want to explore new things and introduce things that will become lore, which is why mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated by some of that. Uh, the new becomes uh, the standard. The new becomes the old. Uh, but I wouldn't want to tell a story that's completely beholden to dates and times and years. That's why your idea of something kind of new might work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think for me on the on the lore question, uh, it is a is a fan and I would want to try to approach it this way as a creator, it would never be a question of what is too much, what is, you know, enough. It it is to me about what makes sense for the story. Mm -hmm. I really love that star Wars is an interconnected galaxy. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, Filoni has said that at multiple interviews uh, recently at conventions, that's the way he's approaching this, that it's an interconnected galaxy. I feel like that's, a part of what a heart of what star Wars is. So Mm -hmm. I would start from that perspective that that's the truth of of these myths that they do connect. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then my question would be, does anything, if if I was writing about a Jedi who's living through in these planets and he's, maybe he's living through um, Mm -hmm. Republic era, you know, maybe he's living through the hyperspace disasters. Maybe he's living through the galactic civil war. Right. Um, that is just information, right? And yeah. and there's a question of would any of those events impact this narrative? Well, then they should. Or yeah. does it does is the character living through the Clone Wars and doesn't engage? Well, then that tells us who the character is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world is that tells us something about it. And I think for me, maybe that's why I have a, sometimes have a little bit of disconnect with this lore discussion because. Luke showing up to rescue Grogu is because that's who would answer the call at that time, you know? And it just, it's, it's about storytelling, um, not logic, but about, about, uh, the, the, this myth of star Wars, it's about the mythology, right? You know, if somebody is in a certain mythology is going to, uh, try, try to take down, you know, the Uber God of that mythology, it's going to be the one, you know, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I think that's yeah. that. That's the way I feel about it, and that's the way I would Im- embrace it. I would start with something new, but if something, I would never just be like, and then Darth Vader shows up because. Yeah. But if there was an event that Darth Vader would not ignore, and I find myself writing like, yeah, if Vader knew that was happening, he would not stay away. Then Vader goes in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which eventually I hope happens not with Vader, but in, in Mando season three or four, or someone goes, has anyone told Leia? <laughs> <laughs> anyone told <Right>. mama <laughs> you know that is a uh, yeah, joke I make a lot but it, uh, it, 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 it it's why I love again love the both worlds yeah it works and, and the Luke's thing is an example we talk about about where it kind of works um, it's just uh, I, I, I do like the new I understand the resistance to new new lore I really mm-hmm. do but um, I'm also excited about it there it's the, it's the Akbar Holdo debate all over again for me I've loved <laughs> Akbar for years I love her presence in that story just as much. And uh, it's a bigger presence, clearly. Um, so if you're upset about Akbar, I'm sorry. We haven't got the Akbar film uh, yet that you that you deserve. Maybe one day we will. But uh, I'm excited about the new lore that was created. But maybe we get a book written like this about Moncala. That would be a great uh, planning or a treatment like this. 
That's a great example. Yeah, really, really getting to the mind of Prince Lee Char, <laughs> whose tragic life we can follow quite a bit uh, spread yes. out through uh, yeah. animated series and comic books. Uh, great question. Thank you very much, Blake Harper. Are you ready to move on, Ken? I think I am. All right, we're going to move to our next question from Twitter. This comes to us from Ross Squatch. Ross says, uh, your crew is often concerned with potential backlash to Star Wars news stories or polarizing content. Do you think this is empathy for the creators, protecting a property you love, or both? Uh, this is a great question. It's it's wonderful that we get questions, obviously, about uh, Star Wars, uh, but also about the way we all talk about Star Wars. And sometimes we even get kind of a, a process or an emotion question like this. And I think this is a good one uh, for us to examine. Ken, where do you start with this one? I, I, I saw this question come over on, on Twitter and... Um it was a great question, Ross, because it got me thinking about myself, got me thinking about my current relationship with talking Star Wars and the discourse and, and some of the, the points of friction. And it just got me thinking about a lot of things. And so I'm maybe even still working through my answer, but I did write down a lot of points. Um, <laughs> but but if you li- if you listen to us for a long enough time, you, you know, you know, us, you know, at least, you know, we, we give parts of our lives and part of parts of our passions and our experiences and what angers us. And, and if you're in a discord with us, uh, the, our Patreon uh, attached uh, discord, you, you know, even a little bit more and I'm in there a little, a little bit more. That's kind of my side of the operation. And, and sometimes y- you all see me uh, pop off too. Cause I, I, I wake up that day and I choose violence or I choose <laughs> anger. And, and um, you know, it, 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 and I've been thinking a lot about it. Yeah. Ross, and I think that's why, that's where I'll just start. I, I have no answer yet, Joseph. We'll get to that, but that's where I start. I just, I, I think I've been thinking about this too. So it was a weird, weirdly timed question, Ross. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a, a, a great uh, time question. And, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it is a response to uh, some of our recent episodes. I think mm-hmm. uh, my big picture thing is that, you know, I, we always want to be a podcast that is celebrating star Wars. You know, that's uh, mm-hmm. one of the key ideas, one of the key words. Um, and then, I think, you know, sometimes negative opinions we're encountering on social media that sometimes we, uh, I think, have sort of focused on the, we really like this or we're really excited about this, but we know there's this large uh, group of, of fans who maybe aren't. And I think sometimes we're really good about just sort of discussing that. And I think every once in a while, <laughs> in an effort to be celebratory, we spend a lot of time talking about uh people being negative about the thing that we want to celebrate which then ultimately becomes negative yes yes <laughs> because our focus is determining our reality and we're spending time talking about we just want to celebrate this and we're so grumpy we can't we're so grumpy that there's negativity right <laughs> and i think for me it's a it's a good reminder to find that balance yeah you know we want to be a place of celebration we want to be a place of real conversation so we need to be honest when uh something riles us but there is a question of like how much focus and energy to give it and uh, a question to look uh, internally of why we give certain uh, uh, news stories that backlash to news stories or polarizing content, why we give certain certain stories uh, energy uh, mm-hmm. on the podcast and in our souls. So uh, I did a little soul searching and came up with some bullet points of, I think, why I get concerned about mm-hmm. uh, backlash. It sounds like you did the same. Yeah, yeah, especially with some of the two direct things that Ross Squatch has put out there, which, by the way, I love we have this very serious soul-searching <laughs> question from Ross Squatch, which sounds like a great soap. Ross, we love you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think we might be in some response, and then I spun it off into a little bit of, uh, of, of what I think more about um, 
these times, these times. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know where you want to begin there. I feel like we're both sitting down at a poker table waiting to put down uh, our hands. <laughs> well, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll jump into my bullet points. And if any yep. of my bullet points are, are your bullet points as well, uh, jump in. And if not, then we can go to your bullet points <laughs> to wrap up. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, for me, I think uh, empathy for the creators is one of the the uh, things that Ross includes in his uh, question. And I think that is definitely a part of it for me. It is empathy for the creators as humans because they're humans, but also just the creative process in general, um, mm -hmm. how something is actually made, or, you know, how hard it is to create things and kind of choices that go into it. Um, the actual politics of power in the entertainment industry, all, all that kind of stuff. I think I have empathy for how decisions get made. So I think sometimes when I am reacting negatively to a backlash or, or even to just people's opinions, um, mm -hmm. for me, it is coming from a, a perspective of I have been a creator for my, myself uh, for such a long time and have, you know, had the great uh, opportunity to have people like stuff I do, and I've had the great opportunity for to have people not like the stuff I do. Mm -hmm. And when people don't like the stuff I do, it's always like, oh, of course, different taste, that's fine. And what has rankled me to my core is people making assumptions about why I made the choice I did. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm very defensive about people telling me what to think, so people tell me what I have already thought... <laughs> <laughs> and why I did something with absolutely no evidence is something that has personally affected me yeah. and, and, and really upset me. So I think it's, it's totally normal part of a discourse for, for somebody to uh, see a lot of characters returning legacy characters returning and have um, an opinion that Lucasfilm is mandating this out of, uh, a concern to sell more toys or there there's a, a fear of the new and, and they want to stay safe. So the mm -hmm. legacy characters show up, right? That is all totally legitimate. Um, but it's something that, that, uh, uh, that upsets me because it, it's in opinion without evidence, right? Um, yeah. As an example, uh, we were already talking about it uh, as well, but I've seen some like great criticisms of star Wars in, I think they're well-founded and, and they're actually, I think they're not well-founded. They're well-argued and they bring up some great points, but actually yeah. they're not well-founded because they're, they're founded on the assumption that Luke only shows up in the Mandalorian out of an obsessive fear of moving on. Yeah. And that to me personally reminds me of the experiences I've been through where like totally fine. If you don't like it, totally fine. If you're sick of legacy uh, characters, mm -hmm. um, Totally fine if that took the Mandalorian in a direction that you don't want, don't like, don't think is a great creative choice. What rankles me is the um, idea that you're not leaving any room for what the creators have vocally said. We always intended to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's what made logical sense in the story. So that's the kind of empathy I'm talking about when I see uh, analysis that say, we are going to disregard what the creators thought. We are going to put in an assumption and we're going to base all of our analysis on that, which yeah. everybody has every right to make any analysis they want. But for my own analysis of why one of the things that I think I react negatively to and should probably work on is coming from an empathy for creators in the creative process and, and having respect that these are choices that the creators made and it's fine if you didn't like them, but 
you know, to go so hard on the creators as, as people and to make assumptions about their I- intent uh, is, mm-hmm. you know, is hard for me. Uh, yeah, no, I'm right there with you on that. And, and we've had, um, share a lot of similarities in, 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 in our careers, also some differences, but also the biggest change, we, we've just almost the same time frame. We're, we're, we're yeah. such <laughs> the same age. So we've been through a lot. Um, one of the things in terms of uh, empathy for the creators. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the reasons is, is, I don't know, it's, it's a lot of what you're talking about is this has all started to change from when, when I started doing Jedi Alliance, or even before that appearing on some other podcasts, you came along with Jedi Alliance as well. Um, and then, you know, moving on to some of the other stuff I've, I've done, this wonderful punditry world explodes, this, uh, talking about TV movies and, and, and it's given me a career. Love it. Love it. But I watched it. I watched it kind of just, I don't know, fall deconstruct itself, <laughs> fall in on itself to where so much of it. I just, um, it, 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 uh, I, I think I get upset when, um, man, the, the uh, it's not even an opinion becomes a fact. Sometimes it's straight up assumptions and lies about things to where I can know, I can't separate, you know, you say you don't like it, but the reason you give is a complete assumption that suddenly becomes fact because of a website or a podcast. Hmm. And that's where I want to defend the creators, not just simply because, you know, I've written some jokes in my life in a sketch, um, but because it's just it's just not right. And then it, 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 it really has spilled out to the real world so much. And I cannot separate those two, mm. especially going back to 2017, where I kind of just sat back, particularly on Collider. It's always been a different feel here with Force Center and the community we put a build around us. But sitting back on that show and just going, I don't understand, you're all saying these things, I love this movie, but I love it. You don't, I guess. And then that, that's sometimes the surface, but then to watch things just kind of spill on out to where it, it just spilled over into culture, spilled over into politics, spilled over into the news. And I, I just sometimes want to feel like, can I, can I, can I get anyone to stop and think about things? Um, and, and try to give spe- specific examples. Like I'm, I'm a big, big, you know, big game of Thrones fan. Like I, I, so many opinions about season eight. I get it. But the, the thought that those two guys rushed it so they could get onto Star Wars is a lie, is a lie. It's not a fact. But to have so many people start the reviews, well, they were rushing it because they were bored. Like, are you kidding me? Have you not heard them? Have you not seen them? And, and that became your lead to criticize the show. Mm. Versus, yeah, maybe some of the plot points were rushed or this and that. And I just, and that rankled me. Um, so that when I still talk about it, that leads, I lead with that kind of defensiveness. <laughs> <laughs> because there's yeah. so many shows and that becomes fact. And then it trickles down. And the problem I have um, to, to Ross's other thing of like uh, protecting a property you love, nothing will change my love of star Wars. There's no words out there. There's no podcast. There's no review that will change what I feel or love about it or take from it. Um, but it does change other folks. And I see it. Mm-hmm. And I see it particularly on a Facebook page where a friend of mine will say, book of Boba Fett's this. And I'll see someone in the comments it will be like, oh, you know what? I was thinking about watching it, but thanks. You, you, you made me not watch it. And, and the reason that pers- first person posting is just, it's just BS. <laughs> and, and I just want to reach in and go, no, gay, engage with it yourself. Find out yourself. And I think that's where I get a little bit more uh, protective of the brand, protective of, uh, of the creators, if that makes any sense. So I'm trying to keep myself from getting angry. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is this is good. We're doing a little mini episode, not of Star Wars rank, but Star Wars rankled of uh, uh, yeah. uh, have some fun, uh, but examine, you know, why we get defensive because we do get defensive sometimes. Um, 
Uh, and I want to own that. And I think, yeah. Yeah. And um, I, we'll talk about the effect here at the end of this part of the conversation about where I'm starting to like, make sure I pull back. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, we're, we're going in the same, same yes. direction. Yes. Um, yeah. I, so I think my next bullet point is, is similar to something that, that you said, right. Um, it is about, I don't, nothing will ever make me stop loving Star Wars. My love of Star Wars and my history of Star Wars is something that I feel so uh, privileged to be able to share with other people and and find uh, the celebration. But if the whole world got sick of Star Wars, if Lucasfilm shut down, I would still love Star Wars and I would still collect ancient action figures. (laughs) And I would still, you know, uh, watch down every device I could find. Nothing will change my love of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I think some of the... um, the getting concerned uh, preemptively even sometimes about backlash is from some of the negative experiences where I have not been able, or it has rather been, it's been very difficult to create a bubble to enjoy Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Um, I always want to have room for everybody can have any opinion they want, no matter what, of course. And people can post whatever they want on social media, right? And if a, a Star Wars project comes out in, you know, 90% of people see it, don't like it, there's going to be some negativity on social media and there's nothing I can do about that. That's a little bit of a bummer in itself, but hey, people are going to have opinions and there's and, and that's right. What has made me more uh, defensive and rankled, our word <laughs> of the day, is feeling like I can't craft the bubble. Like mm-hmm. I want to post something that's, for example, like, just a joke about Book of Boba Fett on Facebook, yeah. right? And then uh, I feel like I can't express that because somebody's going to come in on the comments and, and burst my bubble. Now, I, yeah. I, of course, can, but the whole point is I, I, you, you feel your way and you post it on wherever you, you want to post it. Now, I just want to enjoy it. And then getting, you know, an alert on my phone that somebody is, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, saying something uh, really negative or like um, I was talking on a news show. Uh, I, I was at a, a birthday party this weekend and a, a friend introduced me to her new partner is like, you, you guys both love star Wars. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I have to like put my armor on, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, in the conversation ended up being great. Uh, but I think it's those kind of things where it's just like, I'm not, you know, we, we share our thoughts on, on social, uh, on, on the podcast. Every once in a while I post on social media of why I love something. Other than that, I don't go into other people's comments. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't approach people at, at parties and go, you got a Star Wars shirt. I'm going to convince you to like the, the thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I like. So I think what I feel is sometimes like I get that I maybe like Star Wars <laughs> and more of Star Wars and mm-hmm. parts of Star Wars that other people are not big on and feeling like, I can't just sit and like it because attacks are going to come in. And that, that's the difference. There's a difference between a, uh, a negative opinion just exists versus a negative opinion is being thrown at me for me to receive when I'm just like, I just want to enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of us experience in social media in, in many ways, which again, I'll, I'll still say social media is pretty powerful and powerful for the good in terms of overall shining lights on dark places in the world and getting information mm-hmm. out. I think it's very important. I, I, I always agree with that. But personally, I've, I've disengaged because I just had to. I, I remember I was, I was fortunate enough to go to a Director's Guild screening of Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson was there. It was his birthday. They brought out a cake for him. 
I took mm. a picture of an Instagram and I was like, oh, what a fun experience. We all sang happy birthday for him. And someone was like, did you gift him the ability to write a good movie? Because he clearly needs it. <laughs> and it's just like, what? you know, why are you coming at me? And that was, again, I sat back a lot. And, and I have this real, this, this real strong belief right now as the world spins and spins and spins seemingly more out of control, but it might just be, this is how it's always been. We just hear about it more. Um, how you digest pop culture is how you digest the world. It really is. And us digging into the themes and seeing what's there is important to me beyond just Star Wars. It's important to how we look at ourselves. Um, I joke a lot. Joseph, you've said some things on air about um, the way I feel about a cloaking device on a ship. And it <laughs> rattled me because you, you, you use themes to g- give me an insight into myself that I've been wrestling with. And I just think that's tremendously valuable. And media literacy is a hot button issue with me right now. Um, meaning I have a lot of friends I have, I have disconnected from because I'm like, I can't be around your lack of literacy for media because then you won't shut up about it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. why are you the loudest one who <laughs> doesn't understand the thing you're criticizing? You just don't. And there's a, there's a, there's a, you don't like it. And then there's a, you don't understand it. And I, I just, sometimes that's where, sometimes I just want to focus on what we love in the community. Other times I have the urge to strike down the, the barbarians at the gate. And I, I've got to push towards the love a little bit more for, for my own health. But also, yeah. you and I don't want to, the podcast always be, all right, here's Andor. Here's the reasons people might hate it. <laughs> Let's fight it before, before those reasons even emerge. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, here's my last bullet point, And then I want to make yeah. sure that, that we've covered all of yours uh, because you keep teeing up my bullet points. I think the <laughs> other reason that... Uh, it, that maybe some uh, we've been a little bit more focused on negative opinions in backlash is I think I'm so aware of the cycle and some of that is age. Some of that is just being in up, up close and personal to the Star Wars all the time. That was part of what made my conversation with this person so nice uh, this weekend. It was just like, so I, you know, I, I talk about this all the time on this podcast. I see lots of social media opinions. So that really colors, you know, this isn't a, hey, I watched it. Did you like it? Did you not? It's just so much deeper and than that for me, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't make my opinion more valid. It just makes it a different experience, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think so aware of the cycle of adulation to anger of, um, seeing ahead of time the possibility that we are maybe putting people or shows on pedestals yeah. <laughs> and then knocking them down. And, and in my opinion, humanity has a long history of the, of this. I yeah. think it's part of the reason that we have celebrity in America. Cause we, we have people that we want to place all of these positive attributes on, but then we also want to tear them down to, to give them power and take it away to make it feel like we have power. You know, yeah. it's a large social, psychological, cultural thing. And I really see it happening with Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Mandalorian wasn't just beloved means of Dave Filoni being a literal savior, right? <laughs> and now there are memes of, you know, if uh, if Dave Filoni made Andor and it's got, you know, Rex and Ahsoka and Cad Bane popping up, yeah. you know? So uh, from savior to, you know, cruel meme, <laughs> yeah. you know, and... Same thing in general has happened recently with Taika Waititi, where just give him the keys to everything to uh, grumbling about that Taika Waititi sense of humor again. Um, It's not as clear cut, but the waves of 
utter fiction about how beloved Lucas was at different times, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's part of what gearing up for Andor of like knowing that some people are going to, we're going to be able to, unable to express their love of Andor without uh, tearing down other Star Wars. Already feeling like people love Andor now, but when will there be a turn against Andor? Yeah. You know, and some of it is uh, is just life, and some of it you just have to get used to. But I also think some of it is slightly unique to Star Wars. I think Star Wars has always been, obviously, since it, it came out, massively popular. The thing in general, everybody loves. But not only does everybody love different parts of it, Within Star Wars, there are there are parts of Star Wars that I think are absolutely essential that are never going to go away, and in some people will always despise those parts of Star Wars. Right? Yeah. the The fact that it's based in fantasy that some people are always going to see as a less than genre that's never going to go away. The fact that there are cute, adorable, lovable things like Endor, like Ewoks and Porgs that can be sold that's always going to be a critique. Uh, the fact that it is political and largely progressive policies of empathy being argued for that's always going to rankle some people so uh, i i could go on and on people love the umbrella of star wars and then things that have always existed under that umbrella people have a lot of tension with so it's mm-hmm. just always some amount of that tension is always going to be there always always going to be there yeah um yeah that's a great bullet point. <laughs> <laughs> Aware of the cycle. So uh, w- what other bullet points do you have in, in your list? Yeah, no, I I, I think we hit a lot, of, a lot of it there. I, I'll say I, I will cop to absolutely feeling the need to protect Star Wars, but I want to be clear, not protecting Lucasfilm or Disney, mm-hmm. protecting Star Wars because it means so much. And we are in the position to do so in a way, if that makes sense. We are... Um, a long-running podcast that has a lot of uh, listeners in the community around us and something you and I and Jennifer have worked very hard at, very proud of that. Um, and I feel, I feel, so I feel sometimes I need to have a shield up and I want to have that shield up, to be clear. Um, where even with my friends, man, you, you know, if you're sitting around having coffee with me, you if you're going to come at Star Wars to me, you got to know, you got to, you got to be prepared for the, for the war. (laughs) And again, uh, the, the, I'll try to shorten this as as quick as I can. I I may have touched on it before, but you know, spent on and off over 20 years in the world of pro wrestling, but also was a lifelong pro wrestling fan, even wrote for a a news website for a while. Pro wrestling was the first kind of big fandom. Now there's star log and all that kind of stuff to be clear. uh, Pro wrestling was the first big fandom that had, news sources directly attached to it. And they're called dirt sheets in the business for a reason, because those in the business would be like, those dirt sheets are just spreading not only lies, false information and guessing, but it's being treated as legit. And it's being treated as wrestling journalism. Now that it's changed a little bit. The, again, we're in a different era. And I, and, I, and again, as a fan and, and a lot of terms like you and I, I can say to you, Joseph heel and babyface, and you, you're going to know what I talk about that. And that's mm-hmm. not, exclusive to pro wrestling they pulled that in from other worlds right but it but in in talking about pro wrestling so many people over the years i'm going back to the 80s late 80s 90s there's the false insiders and and they use the terms they think in other terms they've never been in a locker room they've never been in a ring and then they know all the terms they know all the names and then they start and then they get the podcast and the podcast gets powerful and they go you see that decision that decision at wrestlemania 
did this. It buried that person and that it probably did it because that person in the locker room wants to do that. And I heard this story and so-and-so reported and all of it is hearsay. And sometimes the scoop is real, of course. Um, but all of it's hearsay. And then that's used and treated as legitimate. And then the product and the performers are then tore down and the hard work that they put into it is tore down. Or sometimes the success, the long-term success of a storyline doesn't get to be experienced or enjoyed by everyone because everyone's so convinced it was this political maneuvering in the locker room, right? You know what I mean? And, and it's, they're all false experts. And we're part of this ecosystem that we're just fans. Um, but I've seen it so many times where like, None of us, none of not even you and I are in the meetings. Now, you and I know people in the meetings. <laughs> sometimes we hear things about stuff in the meetings. But even then, at the end of the day, we're not in it. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to lead with that. And there's so many times it's led with, whether it's at, having coffee with Ken and Burbank or it's another podcast. And that's where I feel the need to put the shield up and protect Star Wars. Uh, just like for years, I protected the, the, the business, the capital T, capital B, which is the wrestling business. Um and that's that's where I get really rankled right now. And to Ross's great question, that's where I was thinking about too, where I get pre-defensive. I get, uh, we get a lot of comments or something like that. And it's like, man, you're not there. Just engage with what's on screen, whether you like it or not. Not what you think Lord Miller did or didn't do. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And yeah. that becomes the fact. And that's where I get a little more upset because I I, I experienced it for 20 years inside. And and and, and for, those, for those, you know, I, I worked on the indies, but our first event, was the main event was a guy named John Cena making 25 bucks. I've been around a bit and a lot of folks. And so I've seen, I've seen those names. I've seen them grow. And I've just, I just know how the false experts on the outside, man, can really affect how the, the, the art is perceived by the general population who just doesn't know. And then they hear things and it becomes fact. I don't know. Yeah. It just drives me crazy in Star Wars. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And, and I really agree with that. And I think there are, there's obviously value in really informed art criticism to say, let's examine the actual narrative uh, uh, and the filmmaking acumen of Orson Welles' filmography. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, let's take everything we know in Orson Welles' well-documented life and let's apply that as well. There is definitely room for, you know, in, I think, serious film analysis including the creator and the realities of their world yeah. in your analysis of their artistic work. That's definitely valid. But I think what is happening, which we've talked about before, is something similar to your, what you're talking about is we're getting pretty far away from the actual art. We're getting pretty far away from the person. Yes. And now maybe we're talking about hearsay or now we're maybe talking about a quote that was pulled out of context out of an interview, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how many criticisms are, are there of J.J. Abrams that, that he just can't help himself? He loves his mystery boxes. And J.J. Abrams has gone on record going, I don't think about them. I don't care about them. I needed to do a TED Talk and a friend suggested that and I did that and I wish to God I didn't because yeah. the narrative is just now like J.J. Abrams does all these things because of this, right? And if you drill down and find the truth, it, it, it's not a deep analysis of where did J.J. Abrams grow up? Why does Star Wars mean this to him? How did that inform his voice, right? It isn't deep film analysis. It is, you know, a misattribution of a quote almost, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that is, there's a big distinction to me in, in, in really thorough, serious, scholarly, let's include the, the human in the analysis of the art, versus let's just kind of grab something that may or may not be true without a lot of analysis and have that be the main the main filter through which we're seeing it instead of engaging with the story. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe I got off the trail a little bit, but it, 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 it just, it's, it, that's where, that's where I start or I'll strike back a little bit harder in comments and stuff like that, where it's like, show your work, show your work. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy never takes chances. Show your work on that. Cause a lot yeah. of it's probably just your opinion or things you thought you heard. Uh, or just not understanding the creative process, not understanding how Hollywood works, not understanding how those meetings work. Uh, and, and that's where I get the, the defenses go up. But then it poisons my heart and soul. That's why I'm trying – Ross's questions got me thinking about of how do I pull back from that. Yeah, and, and I think for me that's the – when I have successful conversations with people that I, I don't agree with it, about their take, it's when it can become uh, friendly and personal and there's no judgment you know, it, about different opinions. Right. And just saying like, did you enjoy uh, this show? And then somebody being like, no, I really expected it to be this, or I thought this episode was slow, or I really don't like these kind. This isn't my favorite part of Star Wars. So I didn't enjoy that. And then me being able to go, well, here are the things I really liked. And it's why I enjoyed it. Those conversations are great. And and I want more of them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I just, that that's what I really hope for is to find ways to, to discuss our differences and without being so declarative about, you know, I, I read this somewhere and so it is bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so uh, looking to the, the future, you said you had some thoughts about what you wanted yeah. to be aware of or, uh, or yeah. think about what are you thinking? Because then, then it starts to uh, affect the way I look at things or even not being, uh, I don't know, I just take my job. Uh, Andor is the big, biz, biggest example. I've been looking forward to Andor for a long time. And then uh, it's been presented in such a, a way I didn't expect. It's The show's exactly what I wanted. But, man, it's also been presented and put together in the arcs and everything and the style and in a way I didn't think they were going to do, right? And, and um, Gilroy's and, and, and his team are, are definitely responsible for that. And I love it. And uh, obviously the tendency to use one thing against the other, you knew that was going to happen. I think you and I both felt it was going to happen. I think we both started our podcast, our first look at it, discussing that. And, and I found that I found, um, I don't, and I want to enforce in our listeners to go so far down that path that they take away their own joy for this or, or feel as though they're so focused on defending Kenobi of which I am, mm -hmm. um, that you lose it. And at the end of the day, like, I, I think I can't even remember if I said it on the show, but I definitely said it where like, I have to admit this and or might be my favorite of the TV shows so far. And the fact that I had to almost apologize to myself for that is not right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where I felt as though I had to say, I, I couldn't just say that. I'm not even saying on a podcast in my room. <laughs> I couldn't mm -hmm. just be, I think I love and or more than the other shows because I felt like then I was ditching Kenobi in the desert. <laughs> Which, by the <laughs> right. way, I love just as much, you know, and love in its own way. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it, that, that gets into the, you know, uh, the favorites, the rankings, the competition, right? There's, there's no reason they need to be in competition in your, in your bedroom. Kenobi and Andor don't need to be in competition in your bedroom. Not for this. No. Yep. You can, you can love them both equally <laughs> in your bedroom. Eh, that went a place I didn't mean to, but you, you know what I mean, right? I mean, and I think that's the thing too, of when people ask me my favorite, like, I'm happy to tell you like what, which one I'm thinking about, which one I kind of vibe with or whatever, or, uh, yeah. interact with my life. But I feel like by saying a favorite, it is, uh, you know, agreeing to the others being lesser, you know, yeah. uh, or that, yeah. that's my yeah. concern. So 
yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a great thing to be aware of to just let yourself uh, feel what you feel and not let your your narrative be controlled by you know uh, other discussions. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and sometimes it's phrased yeah the the competitive nature of conversation around it. Something you just mentioned and you've talked about before, but uh, like I even got a text from a pal like, "Oh, Andrew has to be your favorite show so far, right?" And it's like. What, we're not ranking, man. Like I can tell you why Boba <laughs> Fett moves me. The book of Boba Fett moves me more than any other uh, of the TV shows in a way that's very specific. Kenobi got me in a way that's very specific. Uh, I can enjoy all of it. Um, I don't think you can. <laughs> it was like what I wanted to text back. But um, it immediately put me on the defensive because the answer I wanted to give was, yeah, it is. And it just, it stops conversations and it stops my joy. Yeah. But that's what, and, I'm, what I'm saying is, to Ross's question, it, it made me think of like, all right, what am I doing? I got to leave that behind. Yeah, no. And uh, I, I think it's good that we took some time for some self-analysis. Uh, <laughs> a good <laughs> chunk of time. Um, Sorry. But I think, no, no, I, I, I think it's I think it's good because you, mm-hmm. I think we try to be open and honest and we aren't uh, positive just in uh, we love everything. And, you know, the negative thing that we wrestle with is getting upset about negative opinions of, <laughs> about Star Wars. So us wrestling with how we talk about that, I think, is is good and honest. And I think for myself, uh, I, I want to go to the, the, the lessons of Star Wars itself. Um, the, the, the lesson of, you know, the Jedi versus the Sith, the, the light side versus the dark side, the light side wants to be proactive and help people but also the light side wants to accept what it can and can't control. And the dark side wants to say, I can control everything, including what other people say and do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I want to work on my light side. I want to be able to say like, okay, Andor's coming out. And I think that people, not all people, but many people are going to praise it by insulting Obi-Wan Kenobi and Boba Fett, which I also love and Mm -hmm. say to myself, yes, they are. I can't control that. I can only control how I respond to it. And uh, I, I think there is a possibility that spent a, a little bit of time, given the length of our discussion here today, um, obsessing <laughs> on that. And I want to be able to try my very best to let it go and to to con- do what I can control, which is to celebrate Andor in all of its wonder and in all of its just great a breath of fresh air because there is so much that's new about it and so much that's classic and makes me excited to go rewatch other parts of star Wars. Cause it's so connected to the themes and the emotional canon of star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be able to fully and loudly celebrate Andor, and I choose to do that without uh, tearing down any of star Wars and uh, mm-hmm. enjoy all of the star Wars exactly as much as I enjoy it in my bedroom <laughs> on social media on the podcast, I can control how I present my love of Star Wars. So I, I feel like I should really focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes hard. <laughs> uh, clearly. Clearly, it is sometimes a challenge. Uh, any final thoughts or bullet points? Any other Star Wars characters in your bedroom? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, uh, maybe, uh, Tobias Beckett. No, but, um, yeah, look, um, I, we appreciate our four center community. And I think, I think those around us uh, get our struggles and get our loves and, and, um, we, we're focusing on that, uh, as well. So we appreciate your support. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for the question. And thank you all, uh, for listening as we, uh, worked through our feelings and tried to own them a little bit. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back for some more star Wars questions. 
And we are back to take some questions from our patrons on Patreon. We go first to Ben Potter. Uh, ben says, There is so much minutia that can be learned about in Star Wars. Planetary geography, lightsaber hilts, clone trooper armor decoration, ship designations, etc. Is there any niche topic y'all think you know more about than your average Star Wars nerd? What would you learn more about if you had more time? Uh, this is a very fun and very good question, Ben. Uh, Ken, where do you go with the big picture? Just uh, not what, but is there anything you feel like I know the most about this? Uh, honestly, th- these days, no. Um, <laughs> uh, no, um, because there was a point in time where uh, I would have said, oh, I just know all these little things about Star Wars and and all that stuff. But it's like, no, in terms of trivia, right? And I've been beaten so many times in contests that I know that's not true anymore. <laughs> um, and also, I just, I've changed where I guess the answer could be maybe for you and me both of of what Star Wars means and is saying. Mm-hmm. Might be it. Uh, we're not alone in that, by the way. But uh, that's where my focus is. So it's less about knowing what the actual uh, model number is of that Y-wing. I just know I like Y-wings. Um, and that's just changed over the years. But I will say this. I mean, uh, Imperial officer full names. I think I know <laughs> more than most people. Yes. Yes, you do. Which is, I think, uh, really, really uh, interesting because I think we tend to uh, memorize or catalog or review the things that we are connected to right and yeah, you've yeah. always been interested in the imperial officers and so that's something like you want to know that it's firm as piet right like <laughs> yes and, and that's wow okay yeah yeah well, it's so great uh for my my big picture answer uh to this great question is no there is nothing uh, that I think I am more knowledgeable about than uh, so many other uh, Star Wars fans out there. Like Ken, I've competed in some of the great uh, Schmodown movie trivia, Schmodown uh, trivia contests. I've done some random Star Wars bar trivia. I have uh, devastated some friends at uh, Star Wars Trivia Pursuit, and they won't play it with me again. Uh, right. I have I definitely know a lot about Star Wars, um, but there's nothing that I am an absolute top-of-the-line you know, world expert about in any way, shape or form. I think for me, what I'm really fascinated about right now, much like you were saying, Ken is again, I don't claim any better knowledge than anyone else at all in the world about the thematic, you know, through lines of the saga Mm -hmm. or the uh, emotional canon. But that's kind of some of the stuff that I'm really invested in remembering for myself, not to win a trivia contest, but to, as I'm watching kind of have in my heart, it's a, it's a new Han Solo, uh, you know, story. Mm. How does this connect to all the other Han Solos? Where is he at in his emotional journey? What does this reflect? Or what does, is he leaning toward, you know, the, the sides of his, uh, of his soul that drag him down? Or is he uh, encountering something where he can't resist, you know, helping somebody, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a random Clone Wars episode, you know, what baggage is Anakin carrying into this scene based on, on what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. that, kind of stuff uh that's why i think what made obi-wan kenobi electrifying for us right this yeah. is a moment where leia chooses the kind of leader she wants to be you know yeah that's emotional canon that's thematic stuff and again it's not about uh being more of an expert than anybody it's about that's the stuff that i'm thinking about in in engaging on because it's what i'm most invested in right now right yeah yeah no, that, yeah 
And then for like other areas of interest where I think like, uh, again, uh, I would not put my, my name in the hat to, to beat anybody at a trivia contest, but uh, I tend to focus on things that I just really love, like Jedi names. Like mm. if I had the time to try to become like the, I, you know, not even Pablo Hidalgo can defeat me at X trivia. It would be mm. memorizing Jedi names and lightsabers because, you know, I yeah. love the Jedi. Uh, what is the exact layout of the Jedi temple? I would love to have all of that incredibly memorized. Uh, I know a decent amount about the action figure history of Star Wars. Nowhere near as much as true experts. But if I had time, I would love to learn so I could spot every variation of every card, you know, and, and just look at a, a, a action figure and say, this is the exact month it came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would love to have that level of knowledge because those are parts of Star Wars that I love personally and mean a lot to me. Yeah. And like, I really discovered this toward the end of the uh, Star Wars trivia in in the Schmodown. There was a ton of stuff early on that I knew because I knew Han's blaster was a DL-44, which at this point is not an obscure Star Wars fact. It yeah. was to me when I learned it on the back of his Power of the Force 2 card. Right. And yeah. I memorized it because I loved it because it was something new to know about Han's blaster. Yeah. I, I, I would love to know every blaster number and every uh, full ship number. Um, but I, I remember the ones of the ships that I love because I want to know more about them. And mm -hmm. like in the trivia contest, it really took a turn to just like know everything, you know? And I r remember, you know, certain weapons again, cause, cause I love them. Uh, and I made a point of memorizing it. I know that the blaster that Han gives Ray is the NN 14 because I thought that out and I wanted to know it. I did not know the, the, numerical designation of the first order riot control baton because i'm not that in love with it to go out of my way to memorize it for myself so yeah. studying these things and memorizing like oh wow that's a thing i really want to know and then other things like it'd be cool to know that but i don't need to for myself because it's not as deep a part of my fandom that's what i discovered yeah you know one of the things in terms of trivia um because I'll, I'll always maybe know more than my friends, right? You know, the general group, right? Because the amount of people like, oh, I know Star Wars. There was on, on one of the, the final taping day of the Schmodown, one of the crew members, he was new to the, he had, just the first time he'd worked with us. And he's like, I'm looking forward to the Star Wars match because I really know Star Wars. Like, oh, good. Uh, you know, I said, but they go deep. He goes, no, I, I, I'm pretty good. And after the match, I came to him, how did you do? And he's like, I lost after about the second question. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. But after a while as a competitor, it was it definitely was not fun. There's maybe other reasons to that, but I liked kind of what you're describing there. I remember there's a couple times there's just answers I forgot. Tivik is the one that comes to mind. Quotes. I'm so bad with quotes. I don't know why my brain doesn't remember quotes. Uh, but sometimes I remember missing a question and I wanted to just blurt out, yeah, because I don't care about that. I care about why wings. I don't, I don't, I don't follow that part of Star Wars. It's almost the uh opposite of this this question right uh, what's the what's the specific thing we know and there's so much i, I learned during the schmodown where i'm like I, I don't care what that cape is called <laughs> i just know it's purple. like you know like it was really weird it was eye-opening to me it changed the way i was I, I interacted with star wars yeah yeah and it's just like and for me like it was really fun that the last uh competition i did i i had i it had changed. I watched some, some previous matches like, Oh, half these questions are numbers. And I found out some stuff that I didn't know doing research. And that was fun, but it's stuff that's really hard to retain about like the exact, uh, uh you know, B wing, uh, number that corresponds with each evolution of the, the B wing or the Y wing, you know, right. uh, that kind of stuff is like, that's stuff that's hard to remember. You need to have 
that love in your soul or be the kind of person like some of these amazing champions who are like, give, give me a, a manual for a microwave and I will remember every page. Yeah. That is a feat in and of itself. And I, I applaud them because it's an amazing skill and ability. And that's to me, like that's the level it, it got to. It, it got mm-hmm. past. I know this and I love this to just like sheer memorization of random strings of uh, numbers and letters and recall ability. It, yeah. Incredibly impressive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like sometimes I wanted to blurt out, you know, all right, great. But do you know Han Solo's emotional shortcomings and can you track them? Because <laughs> I can, because that's one of my niche, niche, niche interests is Han Solo's failings as a man. Yeah. You know, like that, that, that was kind of where I felt at the end of it all. I think what we're saying is uh, we we love Star Wars trivia. We memorize the stuff that we that we want to know because it's close to our heart. And if we were to compete in trivia again, we would want to be handed out little essay booklets and have them be analyzed uh, by a team of liberal arts professors. That's our Star yes. Wars trivia these days. Love that. Star <laughs> Wars essay contest. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you are like intrigued by of like, man, I wish I really did know all of that, but it, it, it seriously takes some studying and some brain room that just isn't there. Is there anything in Star Wars that you do want to know, like an encyclopedia, but it, there's like time and brain space is a block? Uh, I th- full names of rebel officers. Why, why can't I learn that? Why am I focused on the firmness of it all? I don't know. Um, I'll tell you what it might be. Um, I, I think you're definitely really good at this. We're doing the Clone Wars report. I wish I remembered the Clone Wars episodes we watched. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that is something that I've wanted to. Like, yeah, I really want to, because I used to memorize, uh, remember them by events. Yes. And then not necessarily remember what event was in which, which episode. Uh, but yeah, I, that that's a really good one. I've really wanted to remember specific episodes that I could just uh, rattle off the the yep. name of and be confident like yep that's the one where these events happen and this is the reason I like it species I also really like knowing species and I wish I had even more time because I love it when I'm reading a Star Wars novel and like Trototome yeah I know exactly what a Trototome is yeah come mm-hmm. on yeah Keldor yeah oh, yeah I don't, I don't need to stop and google that I know exactly you know <laughs> mm. yeah that that's something that I really enjoy that I'm decent at but would love to be even better at yeah because so, we had a question on the, on the live show of like what's your favorite clone uh, clone trooper and I was so excited. I saw that pop in the chat and, and, and you called it out and I was like, oh, I've just, we just finished watching all the Clone Wars. I'm going to have an answer. And at the end of the day, my answer is like Rex because it's the only one I can remember. <laughs> and that's not true because I just love, I love what we learned in that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'll, I'll get to it. I wish I could keep all the clone armor uh, clear. Like I'm clear on some of the color signifiers for yeah. the 501st and for the Coruscant Guard and the 212th. And I, but, but that's because I emotionally attach them to stories and characters. But like some of the rank stuff, you know. Uh, is like yeah no i try i try yeah. uh this is a very very fun question uh ben i love knowing star wars stuff but i also like uh, accepting that i will never know it all any yeah. final thoughts ken uh no great stuff great stuff you are a uh absolutely a uh Conan Antonio Moti of question asking. <laughs> uh, excellent. We're going to move on to Justin Jacobson's question and see what full imperial name Ken might assign to Justin. Uh, <laughs> Justin says, hi, Ken and Joseph. I greatly appreciated your insights into how Jawas might handle a Sith relic. And I hope someone at Lucasfilm makes the false king of the Dune Sea a reality. Yes, Darth Suka. Uh, Justin says, after listening to your episode on Borgullet, I can't help but wonder, is Borgullet connecting with people's memories and emotions using the Force? Is there a hunger for truth, a sign of affiliation with the light side? Is the discomfort it causes an indication of the dark? 
or are mm. they approaching it from the neutrality of an animal connecting with its ecosystem? Oh, I love that. Borgal is just sitting there going, I hope, I hope a brain's nearby. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you feel mm. about this, uh, Ken, about exactly what is happening with the Borgolit and, and can we layer any light or dark uh, attributes over it? Yeah, I love this question. As, as Orson Callan Krennic would say, it's beautiful. Uh, beautiful question, Justin. Um, <laughs> I love I love this idea of... of wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Orson Callan? Is that is Callan really his middle name? Callan is his middle name. Yeah. Callan or Alan? Callan. Okay, with a C? K, I think. Okay. So he's yeah. OK Krennic. I thought he was going to be OC Krennic, like he comes from the OC. Yeah, Orson Callan. What a man. What a name. Orange County Krennic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. I was just, <laughs> see see how fascinating trivia is? All right. Yeah. I actually, there's, I think it's Galen, is it Galen Walton Urso? I'm going to check this up because if it is, that's George Lucas's middle name. Oh, man, I love it when it sounds like Star Wars characters are in trouble with their parents, which it does. Yeah, so Galen, Galen Walton Urso, but Walton is George Lucas's middle name, and that is also at play in Indiana Jones. There's a is it is it Doctor Henry Jones? One, sorry, this is a total side <laughs> fun conversation. But the fact that anytime Walton shows up, uh, is it's a, a a nod to George Lucas. So I like that Urso taking down the Death Star is an ode to. Uh, George Lucas. Oh, that is great. All right, let's get back to yeah. uh, the beautiful Borgullet. Yeah, I, I like this idea that maybe it is um, um, in the uh, neutral spot and that maybe it's your own desires that take it to light or dark. And Borgullet just wants to help you, just wants to shine <laughs> yourself, your own light on it. And maybe that's where it starts. That's yeah. a cool way to look at it. Yeah, I, I don't think it is, you know, um, it, it, this is, so I, I I love the idea that the light in the dark side of nature is natural. There is uh, birth and there is joy and there is expression, right? And then, and there is warmth and then there is uh, death and tragedy and it's in, in new life. And it's a, it's a natural cycle. The, the existence of the light side and the dark side are natural and mm -hmm. the way that our sentient fully fully self-aware characters make choices about how to invest in those um those realities uh, and and weaponize them or utilize mm -hmm. them that's that's where you get into sort of like morality right and, and i feel like the borgullet is just like i i don't know why i was born to uh hunger for for minds yeah yeah <laughs> but i do so yeah. I'm hungry. <laughs> so there you go. I want to eat on your uh, light side or dark side desires. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love the neutrality of the animal connecting with the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. That That's what rings true to me for yeah. uh, Borgallet. Um, to the other part of Justin's question, do you think of the Borgallet's abilities uh, to see into memories, emotions, detect lies? Is that a kind of force power? How do you wrestle with that? I, I don't, my gut reaction is no, no, not at all. It's just something I don't fully understand about boars, right? Um, um, but I wouldn't, uh, but at the same time, this idea that the force is kind of everywhere, it is what binds us and, and it can be felt anywhere. Um, I like that idea, idea too. So all, all I'm saying is if this, we're, we're still in Legends era, we've got a Jedi boar. 
coming out with. <laughs> oh, it's all those yeah. lightsabers going with those tentacles. Yeah, but my instinct is I don't personally, maybe I just don't, I don't like the idea. I just don't think of it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think that to me, it's not like about a force power that mm-hmm. like, I don't think a board trained uh, <laughs> or the, what are the, the Mayans? The, the other yeah, species? Yeah, yeah. The Mayan the species names? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think the way I think about it is there is a truth to in the Star Wars myth to what Luke said or what Yoda says to Luke, right? Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Uh, then using Luke Skywalker's shoulder is evidence of right. <laughs> what is crude matter. Just, you know, his shoulder's looking pretty good then, so a little harsh. Hmm. Um, but I think this idea that we, in Star Wars uh, galaxy, uh, beings have physical presence uh right but our minds our souls our connection to the cosmic to the force itself that's also there right yeah and i think like a trained jedi or sith or force user of any kind right they can physically move objects uh, but they can also reach into minds they can reach into souls with jedi Mm -hmm. mind tricks and you know invasive mind probes like you know, Snoke does uh, to Ray and, and Kylo and Ray kind of do to one another. Right. Um, th- that's all about connecting, not with the physical. It's not giving them a, a push. It's reaching into the mind, the soul, uh, not the crude matter, l- reaching into the luminous. And I feel like I, I don't think the Borg gullet stopped and trained. It's just naturally that's the way they connect to this real thing yeah. of the mind, the souls, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just It's just its way. It's just its nature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, and I think it'd you know, be great if uh, if we had a scene of Saw Gerrera <laughs> explaining that take. <laughs> Poor God, connects to the luminous. <laughs> Not the living, cosmic. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's clearly some physical ramifications of that experience because the uh, the mind, the soul, and the body, they're, uh, they're all connected, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's one thing I love about the Star Wars novel, uh, the Rogue One novel a little bit more is uh, Bodhi Rook is effed up. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one tends to lose one's mind seems like an understatement. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I think played fine in the movie, but in the book you get a sense of, oh, he, he doesn't know which way's up. Yeah, yeah. Well, those are some great uh, Boar Gullet thoughts. And I know Boar Gullet is a, is a legacy character, uh, <laughs> but I hope Boar Gullet pops up in Andor. That would be great. I would I've, love to see Luthen on Boar Gullet. <laughs> but would he want it? Luthen might be like, yeah, can I have another one? Can I have another hit? <laughs> Maybe that's what uh, the uh, the Mednog is made out of some Borgullet secretion. <laughs> Borgullet's going to read your mind. It has two choices. Number one, light side. Number two, dark side. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sell it some art. That's how good I am. <laughs> uh, any other Borgullet thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, no, I've just, uh, I've... Yeah, I think with us doing on Databank Dive, even now, I, I have more positive Borgullet thoughts than I've ever had in my life, and I love it. Yeah, oh, I love Borgullet. So, so weird, so beautiful, is Orson Callan, Orange County Krennic, would say. <laughs> uh, as always, we want to give the shout out to our Power of the Light Side segment. Uh, I'll, I'll do a fresh post here on Patreon soon. If you're a patron on Patreon, we ask for these uh, submissions every once in a while to just say something that you love about Star Wars. Could be a personal experience could be a moment, uh, and then we share them to connect 
with our love of this great story, this great myth. So if you want to do that, uh, feel free. There is a post a little bit lower down our post, but I'll post a new one here soon. Uh, we always want to thank the people who sent in the great questions. Justin, Ben, Ross, and Blake, thank you all for uh, the different questions. Ken? Where can people find us? You could find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Thanks to everyone who hung out with us on our live Q and A for September. Excuse me, uh, yes, yeah, September. I start to I started to put October on the on the YouTube thing. Got so confusing. I don't know what day it is, but we're in October now. Uh, so we'll do one again in October. That's my point there. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. You can follow us. Uh, get the podcast on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center, you can get our Four Center Speculate Responsibly t-shirt. Uh, Alex Damon still flashes that logo up on his live streams. I saw that the other day. Patreon.com slash Four Center is where you can support us. Always looking for new patrons to help us celebrate Star Wars even more. You can follow me at Catnapsock. Go to my website, catnapsock.com for more information uh, on things I do, including stand-up comedy. Got dates coming up here in uh, New York, but also by the time you listen to this, you can start looking towards La Jolla mid-October and Seattle on October 28th. Ticket information on the website. Joseph, where can they find and follow you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com. You can also check out my YouTube channel, which many of you have done, and I really appreciate it. Put the call out uh, for more subscribers, uh, more views as I try to get that channel monetized. Again, I got some really fun and exciting things coming. A ton of you have subscribed, and I really appreciate it. And uh, if you want to, please keep it coming. Uh, more stuff coming uh, on that YouTube channel very soon. You can just uh, search for Joseph Scrimshaw on YouTube and I will pop right up. If you are in Portland, Oregon, uh, as this episode is being released, uh, I am arriving in your city uh, to attend the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. I've got a short horror film uh, playing there, so come check that out if you're interested. You can just Google that festival as well and it should pop right up. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Borgullet, this has been Cues of the Force. Oh, yeah.